0: Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of My Sporting Mind. It's Charlie Webster here, hope you're all doing okay. And we're in the Premier League today. Joining the podcast is Wolves goalkeeper John Ruddy. Hey John, how are Hiya. you?
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me.
0: Ah, thanks for coming on. How's the last kind of while been for you and is it almost like things are back to normal now?
1: Yeah, I think once you, once you start the training aspect and the games start going, it's, uh, it's business as usual, as you say. Um, the only slight differences just in and around the training ground not being able to have breakfast there change there shower there stuff like that so you know we're still very much um, abiding to the protocols that are put in place but we've got a fantastic medical team and and doctor who's been on top of it from day one so we're all very confident and um, comfortable with with how we've had to come back.
0: There's been a lot of talk I think during lockdown about people I don't know having enforced moments um, to think about things and um, maybe to change things is there anything that I don't know did you have anything during lockdown that changed your perspective or what were you up to did you miss football did it make you think differently
1: <laughs> um it's gonna sound awful but I didn't actually miss football no um I, I just valued the time that I had with my family my kids are 12 and 8 and this is the longest period of time we've been able to spend at home together um obviously because they were off school I was off work and just to spend it as a family of four for two months was brilliant. We enjoyed each other's company. We we had moments where we'd all do something together, whether it play in the garden, play a game of cards, but we could also have that space to ourselves as well. So we had a really nice balance. And like I said, it was just nice being at home, to be honest. And um, something that I've never had throughout, well, I've been a professional for 16 years now, never had that long at home. And yeah, it was just uh, making the most of a, a bad situation, I think they call it.
0: Yeah, I can imagine the fact that, you're always in competition or training for something. Um how much, I don't know, do you have to sacrifice in terms of football then?
1: Um sacrifice is a it's one of those words I'm not really sure it's appropriate because to do what you love and to be able to have the opportunities we have, you shouldn't have to sacrifice anything. You know, it should all be a process building towards being the best you can. And and I think in this off season as well, you know, I worked extremely hard on um my fitness and, and strength and made sure that when we did come back and resume training that I was in the best condition I could be. So that was the individual mental battle I was having with myself, was making sure that I could hit the ground running when we came back. My body fat was a lot lower, my body weight was a lot lower, my strength was up, my fitness, general fitness was up, and, and my general feeling waking up in the morning and, and going into training sessions was, was a lot better. You know that's something that every off season I always try and improve myself in that sense. Um, the older I get, the, the harder it is. But um, you know it's something I enjoy as well. It's that personal battle with with your own mindset and, and making sure you can come over overcome those hurdles.
0: What is that battle in your mind? Like do you struggle to motivate yourself at all?
1: Um, yeah, sometimes. Um, I think that's fair, and uh, I think everyone goes through those those periods where you, you're looking at it going, ah. Oh, I don't wanna do I don't don't wanna do that set. I don't you know, I'll skip this set, no problem, it won't it won't matter. Or I don't wanna do this bike. But for me it's it's overcoming that and just saying, right, well, I know I'll feel much better after I've done this. You know, if I don't do anything during the day, I feel like it's a wasted day. So during lockdown, even just cutting the grass was was something to do and, and it got me out and it got me moving and, and instead of being sat at home or sat on the sofa just not doing anything, you know, and that's the that's the message that we try, myself and my wife, you know, we're both very active. We try to get that across to our kids as well to, you know, just get up and do something. You, you feel much better after it.
0: Yeah, because it's almost like you feel worse. I'm like that. Like I train a lot and sometimes I struggle to motivate myself. But at the same time, I, I'm almost like in a worse mood or less productive if I don't actually go running.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just helps your body just feel like it's, it's reinvigorated and, and that you're ready You know, I like to do when I'm when I'm off. I like to do a lot of the workout in the morning, and I've got the rest of the day to look forward to. And I feel like I've I've enjoyed or I've deserved whatever the day will bring. So, you know, whether that be a nice glass of wine or a a little cheesy dessert at dinner, it's you know I've I've earned it.
0: And what about in terms of football? Because you were so prominent in the team, especially when you won promotion, and then now you're at number two. How difficult is it? You know, is it frustrating? And how difficult is it to motivate yourself in terms of that when you're not playing regular football i think it's sometimes something that it's always intrigued me but we've never had overall really a deep conversation about what it's like being on the bench
1: yeah it's it's very difficult very difficult and um i'm not getting any younger so you know i still have goals and aspirations that i want to achieve in my career you know i want to play 500 league games at least i think i'm on in and around 450 so you know i've still got a way to go there I want to be the best I can be every day in training. But, you know, when, you, when you're working every day and you're training every single day, but there's nothing at the end of the week to really reward you with that, it's, it's very difficult. I had a period at Everton when I was there and I wasn't even making squads. And, you know, I was a lot younger then, but it's the same feeling. You're, you're going, well, what am I doing Monday to Friday? Because come Saturday, I'm not doing anything. And that's a, that's a very difficult thing to to comprehend as a as an athlete, as a competitor, because you go into match days and you're helpless. Um, and it, and it's, it's one of those things where you then have to try to, to help the group within different ways, whether that be a training session the day after a game when it's the lads who didn't play, you know, whether you're driving that training session and making sure lads are trying to put the effort in, doing it right for, for you, themselves as well as, as well as me. Because you know, if they come into a session half-hearted, it's going to have a knock-on effect on everybody. Yeah. so everyone needs to be at it you know but we're, we're very fortunate here we've got a really good group who work really really hard for each other and understand that at some point or another everybody is going to be used and everyone's going to be needed so you know it's it's overcoming that almost the ego of saying right well why aren't i playing you go look i'm not playing but how else can i have be a positive impact on the group and for myself so you know i look at it in that sense i say right well training every day you know, there's there's myself, Rui, and, and we've got a young lad, Andreas, who's got a fantastic chance in the game. But if I come into training sessions with Andreas when it's just the two of us and I'm not doing it properly, what message am I sending across to him? Yeah. Uh, is he thinking that that's the appropriate attitude to have? Because I don't want I don't want him to turn around and say, oh, well, I learned those traits from John Raddick. You know, that's not me. That's not the person I am. I wouldn't ever want my my son. You know, he's he started in goal. And every time he trains, I say to him, just try your hardest. No one can question you if you just try your hardest. Yeah. And, and that's the bare minimum. So, you know, it's, um, it's just that, that attitude of be positive, be, be effective uh, and make sure you're doing it in the right manner.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned ego because a lot of people that we've spoken to on this podcast have said that in some way, shape or, or form. Um, but then also, isn't that something you need in football or mm-hmm. in competitive sport, do you think? Yeah.
1: yeah, I'd agree with that. But there's a time and a place for it. And I think if you let your ego dictate your mood, when, certainly when you're not in the team, then it has a, a negative effect. Um, you know, when you get on the pitch and, and you're on the pitch, be who you want to be. And that, again, that's another thing I say to my son. You know, my son's a really, really good lad and everyone who meets him says how polite he is and well-mannered and respectful. But I don't want him to think he has to be like that on a football pitch because he needs to bring something else out of himself. That hunger, yeah. that drive, you know, that needs to be there. And you can be respectful while still having that, but also you need that little bit of aggression and determination that can only come from being a bit of an arse. (laughs) And and that's the simplest way to put it. So, you know, I think once you cross that white line, be whoever you want to be, be whoever you need to be to get the best out of yourself and your teammates. But then once once you're off the pitch, you know, like I said, we're really fortunate. We've got a great group who respect each other and, and there's no... There's no arses in it. So we're, we're very fortunate.
0: But Is that what you say to your boy? You could be an arse on the pitch but as soon as you're off it.
1: Just not at home, yeah.
0: <laughs> not at home. Um, how do you deal with frustration personally then? Because of course you want to be a good role model and I can imagine there's different points of your career now. You're at this stage in your career where it's also about serving people coming through, which you were talking about, um, the younger goalkeeper at Wolves. But how do you deal with frustration?
1: Um, I think I deal with it in quite a, a reserved manner and away from work, or I try to. You know, I try not to let my frustrations, I don't, I don't want to take them into work, because as you say, you know, if I'm training with a group of young lads, I don't want them to think that that's how the first-team players behave, so that's how I can behave. You know, that's not, that's not me, that's, that's not what we're trying to build as a, as a club. Um, you know, we want everyone to work hard for each other and, and do it right. So if I am frustrated in days and, and look, we all have bad days. There's no getting away from it. It's it's allowed, but it's just doing it in the right areas and the right time. So as long as I'm on the training pitch and as long as I'm working, I'm I'm focused and I'm positive, I'll come back I'll come back to my flat or, or home and then you know that's I can let my frustrations boil there and, and just sulk all day, you know, <laughs> no one can see me. So that's the that's the better way that I deal with it. But again, when I'm with my family, it's it's easier to deal with because you have a you have people there around you that, that you love and, and, and give you support no matter what.
0: Yeah, is there anything else that you do outside of football? Again, it's something that's really cropped up about how important it is to have something other than the actual competitive sport that you play.
1: Love golf, love it. Um, yeah, can't get enough of golf. So that's handy as well, because when you are frustrated, you tend to put an extra 20, 30 yards on your drives, which is great. So. But
0: I find golf frustrating. It's really? the opposite for me. Uh, yeah, it really annoys me. Like no, I try and play, I, but I just get annoyed with it.
1: No, I found a a nice medium in golf now, so I've I found a nice rhythm and and my game's in a good place at golf, so I'm all right. It's a it's a good release. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and we were talking to Ryan Bennett, and he was talking about you, and uh, he one of the things he was talking about in terms of football was that it's just all about self doubt. Um, what would you say to that? does self-doubt come into your head? I mean, you know, it's funny because I was doing something the other night and um, somebody was interviewing me and they said to me, you know, do you ever worry or doubt? And I was like, yeah. And they were surprised when I said it.
1: Yeah, I think self doubt's rife in, in community and in society in general, not just within football. I think having self-doubt is, is natural and it's just how you then learn to deal with it. Um, I've had a lot of self-doubt over the years. Uh, you know, even when... I made England squads, I was fortunate enough to make England squads and I'm going into an England squad looking around going, I don't belong here, why am I here, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a kid from St Ives who who is now miles out of his depth and, and I'm going to get found out and that self doubt then builds and builds and builds and you go one way or the other, you either let it crumb, crush you or you go right, I've got to make sure I can overcome this and, and, and I show people that I do deserve to be here. And, and I've gone through both phases of my career. I'll be honest with you, I, I've, I've overcome it and I've, I've used it as a, a motivation factor to prove people wrong. And I've also let it crush me to the point where I'm coming back from from games wondering why I'm doing it. You know, And it's, it's, it's a strange situation to be in. I remember last year we played Shrewsbury at home in the FA Cup and I had an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. And I'm on the phone to my wife afterwards and I'm just saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know... I don't know why I'm doing it anymore. You know, I'm not enjoying my football. I'm not enjoying the the processes that I'm going through and I'm not benefiting from it. So I don't, you know, I was genuinely questioning why I was playing football. Um, you know, and, and again, you turn in those moments you turn to people that you trust and love and, and and give you support. And my wife's been brilliant with me throughout my my career in in guiding me down the right paths. And, you know, when you've got someone like that who can either knows when you need an arm around you or knows when to just say, what are you talking about? Just get on with it. You know, and she's she's great at giving me that balance. And, you know, it was either sink or swim then. It was like, right, you're going to let it affect you now because you're not playing regularly. So when you do play, you have to, you have to be at it. You know, and then thankfully after that, when I did play, my performances were better. But it's just, uh, I remember going, going back, way back now, I was at Everton. And I remember doing a training session with the first team. I was only 18, I think. Just joined from Cambridge, massive step up, training with these players and, and Alan Stubbs was on my team. And I love Stubbs, Stubbs did a bit. He was brilliant, great guy. But in training, he would murder you if you made a mistake. And I'm talking, he could ruin careers. Like He was that harsh and aggressive. But we trained and, and I've had a terrible session and he was just battering me all session. I remember going around the back of Belfield where they used to train. I just started crying. And I was on my own, I just started crying and I just had a massive breakdown and I was like, I'm at a massive club, I've got a great opportunity, but where am I going to go now? Because if I leave here, I'm going back to where I started at Cambridge. I don't want to do that. I want to progress and I want to get better. So it was one of those moments where you have the little, the little cry up and, and self-analysis and then you go, right, that's it, it's done. Wipe the slate clean and go again. And thankfully I managed to realign and my processes and go again and and build what was or what has been a fairly successful career.
0: It's been a very successful career. Mm. And what do you think's made you swim? I know you've kind of really talked about it there, but I wonder what's the difference between you going, Ah, I'm not doing this.
1: Um, I think I've always had a quite a resilient mentality anyway. And I think when I'm put in a situation where it's either fight or flight, then I've always found a way out of that and I've always been able to back myself even when I might not be 100% confident I've always managed to show enough personality or resilience to, to get through that phase and I think that's what you do you just go back to your default methods where you just go right well this is what I know this is how I've dealt with situations before and this is how I'm going to deal with this one now and certainly that moment Everton was one of those and and it managed to change change my whole perception of how I worked in training how I approached games when I played and, and how I, how sort of seriously my mentality changed at that, at that point.
0: I think it's nice, it's nice to hear even for me listening to you that somebody who's successful like yourself has had those moments because I think everybody will think now to moments like, you know, even listening to you in my own head where I've, you know, I could have gone either way.
1: Yeah. And and I th- again, I think it's a, uh, there's a, not just self-belief, but it's about having people who believe in you as well. You know, I remember when I first started, again, another my years ago story, when I first started at Cambridge, and I only started playing a goal at 14, and within six months, I was at Cambridge United playing in the youth team, and we'd gone on tour, and I had uh, Dan Ashworth and Kit Carson were my youth team coaches, and we were in Denmark, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We'd played a game, and I didn't, I didn't have an understanding of how seriously how serious it was the professional club environment you know I'd come from playing my mates on a Sunday just for a laugh and then we sat in this dining room in Denmark after we played a game I think we, we got beat 3-4-1 or something and then we had to mark ourselves out of 10 for our performances and I've just gone uh, six you know just a bang average six just thought I'll go down the middle be safe and they've turned around and went right we gave you a three <laughs> like, this is in front of the whole group as well and I'm sat there like okay you know, and then you put your your face on where you going, Right, oh, it doesn't bother me. I'll just sit here. I'm, I'm not bothered. And then they started listing it. You didn't command your area. You didn't come and help crosses. Your kicking was terrible. You didn't save any shots that you you shouldn't have saved. You know, and it was it was one of those things when you sat there, you going, Wow, they are going to town on me. And then they turned around and went, How many times have you ever trained with the first team? And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a 14 year old kid still at school, and I turned around. and what do you mean? I can't train with the first team. I'm still at school. They're like, you could come in once a week. If you really, really wanted it, you could come and you could train. You could ask us. You can push it. You can force the issue. And I'm sat there going, <laughs> I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. And um, they said, right, well, when, when you want to take it seriously and when you think you, you want to be a footballer, you come and talk to us, come and find us. And that was it. I was just sat there and it, and it just kept going over and over and over and over. And like, a couple of hours later, I've gone and found him, and I'm, right. I'm ready for that chat. And they've said to me, I said, we don't want you to have that chat because you think you have to. I said, no. I said, I want to have that chat. I want to be better. I want the opportunity. I want to believe in myself like you obviously believe in me. And from that moment on, I started going in once a week with, with Cambridge United first team, playing playing with the keepers and, and, and the outfield players and training. Um, so I was about 14 and a half, 15. Then. Two years later, I'm making my debut for the first team. You know, And it's it's something like that, that moment where people will put you in a situation where they know you're either going to react really well or you're going to act really bad. So for them, they find out what sort of person they've got on their hands. And for you, you find out a lot about yourself as well yeah. um, and how much you actually really want it. And at that point, because I didn't really have an understanding of what it meant to be at a professional club, it was a massive eye opener for me, but it was also the, the real wake up call that I needed to progress as, as well as I could. And like I said, two and a half maybe three years later I'm playing in the first team for Cambridge and a year after that I'm moving to Everton who's just qualified for the Champions League so you know it was a whirlwind a few years but that moment I can pinpoint that moment in my life that really encouraged me to to improve as a as a person and then as a as a footballer as well.
0: And also even though it was them saying that to you you also made a decision about whether you were like nah sub them I'm you know I'm better than a three or oh my gosh I want to learn I want to learn I want to learn and you know it's like we were talking about in terms of ego some people could have not been able to take that and others actually know teach me teach me I want to learn and I want to get better and the difference between being reactive and like proactive in how you moved forward
1: and it was the shock value of it as well doing it in front of everybody else as well so there was no place to hide you know everyone knew what was happening everyone knew what was said you know you couldn't you couldn't do the old Chinese whispers and say, oh, "No, <laughs> nah, they were all right with me. It was all right. They gave me an eight. You know, <laughs> yeah. everyone—I was getting battered in front of everybody, so there was no hiding place, and um, that was that was a massive turning point for me.
0: And I suppose football is really exposing. There's not a lot of hiding places, especially now with you can access it anywhere, and then there's social media as well. Um, I know you were involved in some mental health groups uh, to do in the communities to do with wars and. You know, as I mentioned, uh, Ryan Bennett was talking about them as well. Uh, what do you think it's like in terms of mental health? And you mentioned about, you know, you can't hide and, and putting on a face. Do you think it's yeah, more open yeah, now? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, it's not as taboo now, is it? You know, you, you never used to be able to have a conversation with someone and say, listen, I can't motivate myself. I don't want to do it. Because they just turn around and go, what are you talking about? Man up. Mm-hmm. Come on. We've got another game. We've got training, you know get through it, just get through it. That was, that was the old one, just get through. Um, now, there's things available. You know, there's people to talk to, there's people who want to listen and who want to help. And I think it's massively important for anybody in any walk of life. You know, like, as you said, me and Ryan done, done a, a workshop, before Christmas it was, with uh, a group of mental health sufferers. And the different backgrounds that those individuals have come from was fascinating because you have some people who, who have had the life that you just couldn't, couldn't ever wish on anybody. It was, you know, some of the stories were terrible, but then you have another group of people who, who have been fairly successful in life, but have then struggled to deal with that and struggled to then have real affection for anything else other than work, 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 work which has then contributed to the demise of their mental health mm. because they can't ever switch off. So it's about finding a balance and it's about finding people and and opportunities to be able to open up to someone. And I think football clubs around the country now are becoming far more open to giving people an opportunity to come and speak and, and use football because everybody knows how much football means to people. You know, it's the national sport for a reason. People love it. And and if you can connect through people via a mutual interest, then they'll open up a lot easier as well. So it was a really, really encouraging workshop we did and and for myself and Ryan I know we got we got a lot out of it ourselves as well and and you know it's one of those opportunities that you look back on and you think it's vital to be able to have that support network.
0: Did you learn anything about yourself and one thing that Ryan said was that there's things that you both talked about that neither of you knew about each other even that you've played together for so long because it's almost like a different space to be yeah. able to open up.
1: Yeah and I've played more than half my career with, with Ryan. And, you know, but when you're in the football environment, it's very hard to speak about anything other than football because you don't want to burden somebody else with your problems because you might distract them from their job. You know, if was Benno, playing in the first team, I'm not going to go up to him and go, i tell you what, mate, I don't really feel, feel great here. You know, I'm, I'm all over the place. I've got this going through my mind, this going through my mind because then you're burdening him with my troubles when he's got his own issues and, and problems to deal with as well. So it's it's still very uncommon, I think, to talk about it within, within a group, which is why having networks, having psychologists and, and doctors and, and all these other people around you to not to vent, but to get stuff off your chest in a, in a comfortable manner because like I said, I, I wouldn't ever feel comfortable enough to go and speak to another teammate about any mental issues that I had.
0: That's interesting. Um, because I think that's probably part of the problem almost is because you've got you know, mental health and, and you know, mental illness and then you've got the fact that you feel more isolated in it because you don't want to burden other people then becomes like the secondary problem um, and actually can prevent people from getting better and getting help.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's within the club, I think, from my own experiences, you know, you sort of navigate towards um, maybe a physio room, maybe, uh, you know, we used to have at Norwich, we used to have the kit man's room, where we used to go in, myself, Ben and a few other, other lads used to go in in the morning before training and just have a nice chat and have a really relaxed conversation about the world and stuff in general and that was where you could relax and you could open up a little bit and if you did have something you might mention something but it would always be very guarded and and probably more in jest than anything to see if anyone picked up on it you know and
0: test the waters
1: yeah more often (laughs) no one did (laughs) but you know that you always have within a club i think a safe environment where you feel you can you can go and, and really speak to people and i think within the group physio rooms are massive for that because People sort of congregate towards them in general. They'll get work done or, or pre-activation in the gym and stuff like that. So you'll have areas within within the club where people go. But again, it's just having that confidence to overcome the first step of saying to someone, listen, mate, I'm, I need your advice on this or I've got this going on. What do you think? And, and once you've overcome that first step, I think then you'll be surprised at how receptive other people would be towards you in terms of trying to help and, and try and talk through it but like i said it, it's not something that i've ever done or or can see myself ever doing you know if someone came to me i'd be more than happy to to have a conversation and help where i could but yeah on a personal level it's not something that i'd, I'd ever do which is strange really because i've never thought about it before you asked it as well so
0: yeah Sorry. <laughs>
1: strange, because it does actually make you realize that you probably should talk more you probably should Able to open more, but then I suppose a lot of people within the club have that support network outside as well family, friends, etc., who they probably know better and, in all honesty, probably trust more to deal with those issues than someone within work.
0: Yeah, because I I do think I mean, do you think I was going to say what I think? Do you think that it's also to do with the fact that I'm not saying you personally, but in general, that um, you might worry about not being picked? or, oh, hang on, a sec, keep, like that person's you know, struggling at the minute or not having a great time, so let's like kind of shift them aside. Do you think that's also a worry because it's so competitive and ultimately, at the end of the day, you're trying to win games?
1: No, I get what you're saying. And I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because unless you're a manager, you actually don't know the, the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, as a player, you'd obviously like to think it wouldn't, Uh, hinder your selection at all if anything you'd think it might be certainly in training and and within the group it might help people be a bit more appreciative of of what you're going through and and probably not go easier on you but just have a more understanding if something's not going right for you on the day or in a training session that they're not going to then get on you and and start battering you which is is not as common within the game anymore uh, granted but you know, if, if someone is aware that someone's struggling with with mental health issues or, or anything, or just even problems outside of football, then, you know, you can give them a little bit of leeway, I suppose. But, yeah, in terms of selection, I don't think you could ever answer that unless you were a manager, to be honest.
0: I'll go and ask a manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what would you say to anybody that's struggling? And what have you, you know, you said that you wouldn't talk about it to a teammate or in the game, but you would, you said, talked about your wife and how important she is being. What, what are your coping mechanisms and how do you deal with it then? Um,
1: just try and talk it through with, with someone that I think will listen, you know, so for example, my wife, I've got a couple of friends back in Norwich who, who I speak to about stuff because they're not within the footballing world, but they understand the sporting aspect or business aspect. So they're within cultures, which are probably fairly similar.
0: Yeah, really competitive.
1: Yeah, and yeah. having to be on top of the game the whole time. So, you know, I've got a couple of people like that. Other than that, within the club, I would speak to the club doctor. We've got a doctor called Matt Perry, who is, is one of the best men I've ever met in my life. You know, he's, he's a fantastic human being who's got time for everybody and is, is very well versed in, in every situation. So, you know, I, I feel comfortable enough to go and talk to him about, about any issues that I had
0: okay and what advice would you give to anybody out there is it speak find a trusting person
1: yeah find someone who who you feel you can trust who who wouldn't judge and ultimately wouldn't wouldn't change too much the way they treat you either because the last thing you want is to go and speak to someone and then all of a sudden they become a different person around you Um, because they're
0: almost like tentative with you. I hate that.
1: (laughs) You know, it's like look, I told you for a reason because you can help me through it by being supportive, not not by changing who you are. So I think that that's very important. Or just find just find a way to release, you know, whether it be golf for example, I know a lot of people who who go fishing, you know, because it's very tranquil and and calm. my little
0: brother does that actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, It helps
0: him a lot. And I think
1: as long as you're comfortable enough in your own company something like that is ideal because then it's only you and your own thoughts and and as long as you can then have a a considered and and constructive conversation with yourself which might sound crazy but sometimes they're the best ones to have
0: (laughs) (laughs) I definitely do that
1: (laughs) yeah all the time all the time Um, I spend a lot of time in the car talking to myself and it's just you know going over and reaffirming things that you, you want but for other people I think it's just finding something, finding a process that will, will eventually get you out of uh, with the situation you're in. And like I said, there's nothing better than being able to talk to someone that you love and trust and, and, and who supports you and failing that. Find someone that will give you the best advice for that time and that will probably be a more qualified person in terms of psychologist or, or doctor.
0: Thank you so much for sharing with us. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank right. you. It's been
0: absolutely brilliant talking to you, John. Thank you. Um, yeah, and good luck with your 500. Is that is that kind of your next goal? Is getting the 500 starts, and then is that your focus over the next like year? Yeah,
1: I think the next next couple of years, obviously, um, you know, while I'm at Wolves, it's going to be difficult because Ruby's done really well. But uh, yeah. my my aim, as I said, is to is to work hard and, and give myself the best possible chance. And then moving forward, you know, I'm 33, so Hopefully I'll go through until 40 and hopefully 500 games will be the least I can do. I can so, you know, that's, like I said, that's my goal and something that I'm very determined to get to. So fingers crossed.
0: Well, good luck. We'll be following. Uh, right. thank, yeah, thanks again for your time. No, Massively okay. appreciate it, John. Right, thank you. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Thanks to Sporting Mind Charity as well for their support. Whatever you're feeling right now, remember it's okay. And as John was talking about, it's normal, especially in times of uncertainty, to be going through a tough time and not feel right mentally. There is help and charities such as the Samaritans and Mind. And however you're listening today, whether you found us on Twitter or Spotify, we'd be really grateful if you could write a review on our iTunes podcast page. Thanks again for listening. Keep safe and we'll speak again soon.